This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. It's our weekly show, and it's always a great time because there's always a lot to talk about in Philk. Really, there is a lot to talk about right now in the NHL. Matter the stuff I got right now in the cutting room floor, and we're going to get to all that in the Q&A, but I am your faithful host, Mark Williams, who has uh, got his background back, so I'm happy about that. And yes, my goals against average is still better than Jack Campbell's. Let's talk about somebody that's falling apart. And the host of the final buzzer with John Falkowski. I think his name is John Falkowski. Kind of redundant, don't you think? A little bit, but... but yeah. Eh, I mean... How, that's how it goes. I mean, AEW full gear this Saturday for all wrestling fans. And then the Rangers also play at 7. So, going to be a very, very nice Saturday night. Awesome. And a nice, exciting night. Because, I mean, that I know you love AEW. So, uh, everybody, by the way, this is our rundown for today. A quick one. Uh, we're going to be starting with the New York Islanders and their situation with Lane Lambert. We're not going to have Anthony on, so we're not going to get his opinion. The Rangers are in first place. we got our power rankings and, of course, our NHL bar talk. But we are going to start, of course, with the A block. I always love this graphic. It just always <laughs> entertains me. And in the A block, we are oops, we are brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek, where you could use the promo code Big Apple Hockey for twenty dollars off your first order. Check out the Big Apple Hockey trucker hats. Got one in the background right over there, and also we have T-shirts that are on the website. So check them out. Philk, we got to start with that. The Islanders zero three this week. Losses to Boston the Washington Capitals, and the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers, that was fresh after they made a coaching change. The Islanders flew all the way out there. By the way, a little bit of a weird schedule. They're going Edmonton, then Vancouver, then Seattle, then Calgary. They're leaving Alberta to go back. Uh, I don't get that one. Yeah, I don't don't understand that either. It just doesn't seem to make sense for the team, nor does it make sense for the NHL's finances. But here we are. Well, I I think a co-host of mine says uh, the NHL hockey is the best sport and worst run league, if I remember his quote exactly right. Uh, And, of course, whenever you can, check out the final buzzer with John whenever he gets a chance to do it. So the Islanders right now, Five-game winless streak. Uh, ever since they were up 3-0 to Carolina, they nothing has gone right for them. And Saturday night, with Anthony LaRocco in attendance, fans are chanting, fire Lambert. And if you look at it all over social media, that's all you could see right now. Philk, should the Islanders make a move on their coach? This is a tough one. It really is. Um, 
And I wanted to give Lane Lambert all of the chances in the world to kind of have his system come into place and really kind of have the players buy in and, and, and assimilate themselves to it. But at, at this point, you know, he's been with them now for, let's see here. This is his second season as, as the head coach. They lost in the first round of the playoffs, hard for Carolina series. Carolina was just a better team. I, I still think they're a better team, but, um, the Islanders have not gotten off to a great start and you really wonder how hot that seat is and how soon it's going to start to rise in temperature if it's not hot already. So I, I'm really not sure here. Um, I, I do think it's early. I, I don't think they have the best constructed team. And I think that part of that, a big part of that is on Lou Lamorello. Uh, his lack to address scoring over the years has really kind of hurt them. I mean, Bo Horvat was seeming to be like a good move. They've had some in- injuries, but um, I-, I don't know if Lambert is really the problem. I also wonder, though, how the, the team is actually really responding to him because I- I'm not sure how much of a grasp he actually has on them. I, I've said this at times with Gerard Gallant, and you know it looked like the locker room was kind of lost on him. Uh, I, I start to get that feeling with Lambert from time to time, and you figure with the veteran leadership group that they have between guys like Anders Lee and Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock and Matt Barzal, you you figured they would, you know, they would be able to come together and um, you know really win some of these games. But they're finding ways to lose games not just, you know, like the exact opposite of what the Rangers are doing right now and exact opposite of what the Islanders did in the past. Because the Islanders would find ways to battle and win games and come back, and they were what what I used to call the New York Yankees 5 o'clock lightning. The Islanders had a little bit of that for a bit, and they don't seem to have that anymore. So I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if it is the right time. I don't think anything will happen soon, but if this losing streak continues – and they look poorly in it. Maybe sooner than later there is a move made, but I, I I don't know if the Islanders are bad enough to get to that point. I think they will rebound, but they have a tough test tonight in Vancouver, who has the best goals differential in the entire NHL right now. Um, part of that is actually helped by scoring 18 goals on the Oilers in three games, plus a 10 spot against San Jose. But if you take away that 10 spot against San Jose, they still are probably the highest goal differential in the league and the most goals scored. So um, this Vancouver team is legitimate. They are in incredibly legit, I think. I had them as a team that's going to make the playoffs. And, you know, not surprisingly, Phil, uh, you know, I, I just think I, – I, I think Vancouver right now has got it going on and they're firing on all cylinders and arguably the MVP is in uh, Elias Pettersson. Although there might be another guy in New York. We might talk about him in a minute, but I just flashed these numbers. I'll flash them again right now. And the Islanders 33 goals for their 30th in the NHL. They're actually 31st. Uh, They changed it around since last night. And 
Uh, 44th in goals against. The Islanders' calling card is their goals against. And right now, they're not like hemorrhaging goals, but it's not it's not Islanders-like. You expect them to be in the top five. And I don't it, know if it, I would call Sorokin the fourth best goalie in New York right now, but I, I will tell you this. Il- Ilya Sorokin is not playing the way he played earlier on in the season. But I also think a part of that is the fact that they are just not playing good defensively. I was at the Minnesota game, and they played a great first period, but the rest of that game, the Islanders were just awful defensively. And yeah. I'll, I'll go back to this. There's one major injury that always hurts them more than anything else. And this is why I had him in my top 30 defensemen. Adam Pellick. When he got hurt, that team has gone down. And I tell you, every year, every year he gets hurt, it's like clockwork. They start to fall apart defensively once he falls, uh, once he gets hurt. So um, I, I'm telling you right now that that is probably the most impactful injury of all. Um, and it, it just seems like they've completely lost themselves ever since he got hurt. He's playing, but he's not anywhere close to 100 percent. He should probably still be sitting out. And uh, I actually do have the video from Anthony. I'm not going to be able to put it up right now, but we'll we'll get that more in the edits later. But. I hesitate, Phil, before saying they need to make a coaching change. But here's the truth. Uh, They are stuck with him for at least a week because they're out out west. You don't fire your coach out west. You don't go cross country with them and fire your coach unless you're the 2007 New York Mets or the 2008 New York Mets. I'm sorry. I had the wrong one. Where They let (laughs) Willie Randolph go out to Anaheim and then fire him the day that he's out there. That was inexcusable. And Lou is a lot more tactical with his firings. I know we talk about whether or not he's, um, you know, him being, you know, the mob boss, he can whack anybody that really being a coach is never safe under him. We'll make that joke, but Lou is very tactical with that. And uh, we talked about it in our group chat when he fired Robbie Fatorik with the best record in the NHL. After he threw the bench out on the ice. He threw the bench and that was it. And then Larry Robinson came in and they went to a Stanley cup. So they, yeah. And Robinson, who coached the Kings prior to that, he was the assistant coach at the time. There's, if Lou does it, it's because Lou's got a plan. And Lou will figure it out with him uh, probably when he gets back or if they're not talking right now out in Vancouver for tonight's game. But they got to they gotta figure this out. And if the belief, let's say, for instance, for some people, is that Jay Woodcroft didn't deserve to be fired. Fine. That's Ken Holland trying to, to save his own skin. Well, guess what? Jay Woodcroft is a good coach. He handled the, the Oilers pretty well. I just don't know whether or not he's going to fit with what the Islanders mold is. Maybe he gets Matt Barzell uh, kicking. I don't know. But this team can't score goals. And I, I, I'm dumbfounded by it. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't even go anywhere near Jay Woodcroft if I'm Lou Lamorello. He couldn't win with that roster. The Islanders don't have the scoring. Yeah, they may have the defense, but the defense literally anytime Adam Pellick gets hurt is just black. And they have an elite goaltender, but he hasn't been playing like an elite goaltender. So um, I I personally, I wouldn't go anywhere near Woodcroft. I I think this team needs someone who's going to give them a real kick in the ass. 
and they need someone who's going to who's going to apply some discipline and some structure. And I, I don't know if Woodcroft is the guy that's going to get through to that room right now. Especially, why would you go from Lane Lambert, a relatively new head coach, to Jay mm -hmm. Woodcroft, also a relatively relatively new head coach? I mean, the record I, is the only reason why. It, it it doesn't make sense to me. So um, I I I can't. And you know what though? I I actually agree with this. And you know, as you saw in the chat, I you know welcome Raiden Burst to the the channel. Flames fan here, so this is uh you know we're reaching out to new fan bases here. I like mm -hmm. this. Um, can't blame Woodcroft for McDavid slumping. And yeah, you're you're right. Connor McDavid is not having a good year right now. He's not. And I don't want to get too far into Edmonton, but if this is happening and Woodcroft gets fired, do you really what does that say for Woodcroft? And what would that say for him trying to apply for the Islanders head coaching vacancy if Lambert were to get fired? Wouldn't and and the reason why I threw out Woodcroft is because whenever you ask this question or demand a guy to get fired, you gotta hope that there's a guy waiting in the wings. Like when Jack Capuano was relieved of his duties, everybody knew Doug Waite was like their head coach in making and yeah. waiting. I mean, but I don't know exactly who this head coach that the Islanders think is going to get. That's why it might be best to ride out with uh, the Lambert. You know who? You know what's funny? There's one guy that I could think of that I would say was available. He's a very good guy, well known, winning head coach. Well respected amongst the hockey community, you almost universally love because he's just a great, great dude. Um, he actually coached a former team that you can you continue to say is going to be legit. Travis Green? No. Okay, because I know he's an assistant. Bruce Boudreaux. Wow, that would be quite. Quite a team, yeah. So what are the two things that the Islanders have struggled with most over the last, like, five, six years? Uh, we'll say we'll go, I'm going to say if, if – if, if we'll go with the last three years especially. But offense, always offense. Correct, one. What's the other one? Power play. Bingo. And what are the two things that Bruce Boudreaux has always had – Good success with with his teams, power play and offense, and Bingo. he was a good penalty killer too. Bingo! There you go, Bruce. So, there it is. Yeah, you know what? You ever want a guy that he walks into a locker room, everyone just likes him. And I know, Raiden, you're saying that, but sometimes guys have to put it aside because. No, I, I no. Raiden wasn't saying that in a bad way. Or oh, a bad way? Okay, you're no, saying that no. good Raiden, way. Raiden, it doesn't sound like Raiden's saying that in a bad way at all. What I think he's saying is that Horvat has played for Bruce, so that would be a sign of a good thing. If, if I'm the Islanders, if they're going to go fire Lane Lambert, Bruce Boudreaux should be at the top of the list of the coaches that they should hire because he will fix their offensive woes. He will fix their power play woes. I personally, as a Ranger fan, I wouldn't like that hire. That's, <laughs> I, yeah. I would I would not want to see him come in and fix those things because that's going to make that team a hell of a lot more dangerous. DP, so, it, he crumbled, but he yeah, was there, yeah. I think, four or five years by that time. Like, he was there a while. When he first showed up, he turned around that team completely. And yeah. that's what Bruce Boudreaux does. He turns around teams. Look at Anaheim. Look at Anaheim out of the playoffs in 2012. Out of the playoffs. 
division winner. They had a 30-win season in 48 games they lost in the first round. Then they lost in round two. Then they got to the conference finals in 2015 and lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Blackhawks. Then they lost in the first round of the playoffs the year after, and that was his last year in Anaheim. In Minnesota, they weren't really much of a playoff team, but they made it in his first two years, missed it in his third, and then the COVID-shortened season, I mean, they – I think they made it, if I remember correctly, that year. But um, yeah, um, I think they did. Yeah, yeah. And then the uh, you know the twenty one twenty two Vancouver Canucks. He was a kind of like a, a, a mid season replacement. They missed the playoffs, but then, they were great under him. Not good. They were great. Yeah, they they were they were a, a much better team under him. So, um, but I I I just think he's. I, I just think he's a real good fit for the Islanders. I think that he's a guy that's going to come in, in the room and he's going to demand, he's going to command respect because he's a well-respected coach. He's a well-liked coach. The players, he's a player's coach by all accounts. I think he could get this team going. All right. Actually much better than me throwing out Jay Woodcroft's name out of nowhere. Cause he just became available. Um, I mean, even uh, I'm trying to think of guys that are even available right now. I mean, after what happened to him last year, but would would Boudreaux want to coach? But on the other hand, the man's a hockey lifer. He's a coach for the till the day he dies. I would have to say. Yeah, I so, think he's gonna be coaching until his 80s, probably. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody. Uh, uh, sorry, somebody texted me and just distracted me for a second. Uh, all right, everybody. What do you think? Should the Islanders move on for Lambert? And if so, who should they choose? Put it down in the comments below. Let's go across the Hudson to the New York Rangers. 2-0 this week wins over the aforementioned Minnesota Wild and the Columbus Blue Jackets where they tied the game with 14 seconds remaining. They're in first place in the Metro, 11 wins, 9-0-1 in their last 10. Philk, what are your takeaways from this? This team just finds ways to win. Doesn't matter what the situation is, they find ways to win. 10 game point streak. They just injury after injury. And good news is, is that Ryan Lindgren practiced today. Ryan Lindgren is practicing. The man is a cyborg or an android. I, I don't know how you take that type of abuse and get back into the lineup the way he did. Oh, and by the way, if you look at the, the video or the pictures from practice from him, he's got the new gloves on. So they, they have a new jersey. So it's 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 a dark navy blue glove with a dark red uh power print that he has on there. So um, but they just continue to find ways to win. The, no matter if it's a high-scoring game like the one that they played against Detroit where they came out and they got to a 5 nothing lead, or if it's a, a nail-biter like in Columbus or, or Minnesota where they, they – that was a redemption game for them. They totally shut down Minnesota. It's funny because you thought that the game was going to go the way that it did in uh on on the saturday game from the from the week before but no minnesota took over in that second period but the rangers were like no nah, we're stopping the bleeding here and that third period was all rangers they shut them down and they outscored them and then in columbus they deal with 
the most one-sided officiating that I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anything worse than this. That goal, I don't know how it got called back. Will Cooley should have like five goals on this season already. Yeah, I think he's got three called back already. He's got three called back already, yeah. So it's like five or six that he should actually have. And then the the elbowing call on Corrali on Ryan Lindgren, uh, the obviously aforementioned Ryan Lindgren, he, he gets – he gets it reduced to a two from, from a five. He should have been tossed from that game. And then the, the Jacob Truba, it, it, that might be the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. So they, they come, uh, uh, he goes and throws a hit. And then Adam Fantilli and another player attack him uh, for, for what, for a clean hit. And then he gets called for roughing when two guys attack him. That that's nonsense. That's complete nonsense. Like, I understand you want to give Truba the roughing call. Fine. But those two other guys have to have roughing calls as well then at that point. Because it, 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 it just – two guys attacking one guy and then that one guy getting roughing uh, – the only call out of that play is just beyond ridiculous. There were several other calls in that game that were just unbelievably awful. But the Rangers find a way to, despite all of that adversity in that game, they fight and they win. And you've got Artemi Panarin. Or as I call him, Hartemi Panarin, because Deservedly so that that man is the MVP of the NHL right now, in my opinion. Um, and then you got it, it. Just we're seeing, we are seeing the culmination of Alexi Lafreniere breaking out right now, and Vinny Trocheck has just been incredible for them since the Philippine injury occurred. Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, they need to get well. Zibanejad needs to get going. Chris Kreider is up for the NHL Cy Young Award for, it seems like, the umpteenth year in a row. <laughs> he has 10 goals already. I mean, he's just he, – he finds ways to score goals. He looks like he may have another 50-goal season up his sleeve. And then you have Eric Gustafson, who has now become the anchor of the Rangers' defense? Him and Jacob Truba? You, who would have expected this at the start of the season? They are getting they are getting depth production from everyone everywhere except for Zibanejad and Kako right now. It seems the fourth line is playing good defense. They don't give you much goals, but you're not really they're not really there for goals. You, but you do want more from them, obviously. And then there's the goaltending, and Henrik Lundqvist in his Hall of Fame induction speech on Monday night thanked the god of goaltending coaches, Benoit Lair. And Benoit Lair, for what he has done for Jonathan Quick, and I know it's one game, but Louis Domingue looked really, really sharp in his game. So what he's done for the goaltending for this team cannot be understated because Benoit Lair is just he, – he is like the Joe Satriani of goaltending coaches. <laughs> And if you're not familiar with Joe Satriani, he's the one who does Crouch Hand, who is the Islanders and Minnesota goal song, but he is like a god of guitaring. And his most famous protege is Kirk Hammett of Metallica. So that just goes to show you the type of wisdom that Alaire can give to these goaltenders and the way that he could fix them, whether it's Quick, whether it's Talbot, whether it's Pavlich, whether it's Anti Ranta. Name, name another goaltender, Alexander Georgiev. Name another goaltender that's come along and that hasn't de- benefited from Benoit Lair's tutelage. Yeah, I've, I've said this with you not enough that basically, I mean, Andre Pavlich, uh, that might be the only one. But you're looking at 
the defense pairing really Keandre Miller hasn't kicked it up just yet. Braden Schneider has been up and down with his play, but man, yeah, all the trust in Benny. I got to agree with that one right Right now. Thank you for, thank you for knowing that one because I'm glad somebody else knew what I was talking about. Uh, The guitarist was, is going to know that one, but uh, Phil, it's amazing because I just want to just go into our Wayback Machine, do a, do a little Wayne's World reference. Phil, we go back to the beginning of the month. I tell you that the New York Rangers are going to be without Igor Sesterkin and Adam Fox. Do you think they got 11 wins? Nope. You, you, you think they might have. 11 losses more than anything because those are two huge pieces. John the quick has stepped up. He's looked amazing. And uh, Gustafson, the first game didn't look Fox like, but he's really picked it up and he'll be quarterback in power play too. When Fox gets back, look, if they're playing well and you're doing this without Sisterkin, Fox, really any production out of Kako or Zabanajad. When you get production out of those guys, look out. And the Rangers have another gear that they could possibly find. Uh, uh, it, it's incredible. It really is. Because, again, you got to remember, they're without those guys. Can you imagine what this team will do when those guys get back? It, it is scary, but I got to say this. I brought this up all year long, Philk. They are number two in the league in saves against or shots against, I forget which one it is, but they're, they're limiting the shots and that's what you have to do. And sometimes the quality shot gets in. All right. What are you going to do with that? And how well this team is doing in faceoffs? I got to, I'll bring up that one for you. I think they're number one in the league. Number uh, two. Trocheck might be number one in the league in faceoffs right now. 56%. They are one percentage point behind the number one team in the league. And of course, that is the Pittsburgh Penguins, because they're uh, they're coming up on that shots against per game. My mistake. Uh, I said saves against per game. I, I love Dimebag Daryl, and I got to see Pantera in August with Metallica, so that was like one of my favorite things that I've gotten to do in terms of concerts. So I love this Dimebag Daryl reference. I, I really, <laughs> really do. So, I mean, he's just the ultimate fixer, Ben Wallair. They're, uh, Joe, uh, Joe, they're actually number two. Uh, I just brought it up. Uh, Pittsburgh's right ahead of them. I think they were number one last night. Uh, so again, uh, everybody, I, I, there was one thing about the Islanders I had to bring up, but what are your thoughts about the New York Rangers and how they're playing right now in first place in the metropolitan division, though there are teams that are coming on strong and playing well right now. We're going to be talking about them in the bar talk. We're going to be going to power rankings in just one second. But first, Phil, I forgot to mention this because it was a bit of a controversial comment on Instagram and such. Casey Sezikis told, oh, we're going to we're going to be getting to that one in a minute. Yeah. Uh, the, a possible favorite for the Jack Adams Award. Yeah. But Casey Sezikis told Chanting Islander fans to stay home. I forgot to put that in there. I read this and I think Chant, yeah, standing the up for his team. Fire Lambert, yeah. Yeah, he's just standing up for his team and his coach. I have no problem doing it. What's he going to do? Say, you're right. I understand the never take on the fans mentality. What's your thoughts on that? 
I like it. Um, that's someone who's a leader in their locker room. That's that's standing up for his coach, a coach that he believes in. I I think the players do believe in this coach. I I think that this Islanders team is inconsistent. I may not be the biggest Lane Lambert fan myself. I do believe that they have enough talent to make the playoffs. Um, it, it's just. Adam Pellick is going to need to stay healthy because it seems like every time he's hurt, that team falls apart defensively. He's just that important to them on defense. Um, so I have no problem with the comment itself. Uh, you know, maybe he could have used different words, but I have no problem with the general premise of sticking up for his coach. And that, and to me, that goes to show you how much they actually like Lane Lambert. So I don't think he's actually lost the room per se. I mean, I question at times just because I see the type of efforts in games that I saw with the Rangers with Gallant last year, close to that time where Gallant was rumored to be on the hot seat and almost out the door, especially if they would have lost that St. Louis game. Oh boy. But um, I I do think there was no one on this team that came out last year and, and supported Gerard Gallant. For Casey Zizekas, someone who is a longtime Islander, to come out and support Lane Lambert the way that he did, I think that speaks volumes about the way that the players look at Lambert. Yeah. And this is somebody that's been in their locker room, what now, six years? I, I, now I yeah, also understand that locker room, yes, for, for, uh, as, as Trotz's assistant, yeah, for six years. Now, also, I do, I do have to say this when New York fans, when we, aren't happy with effort we boo it's what we do we want to cheer make us cheer that's what we always want to there are guys that take it too offensively they're just like oh well i can't believe that they booed the best example of losing locker room were the exit interviews for gallant they were damning as evidence could be thank you firestorm by the way great seeing you again yeah i i would agree with that i i I think the true the true exit interview where he basically gave that like nothing burger type answer yeah, um, that was that was damning. I, I think if if the players didn't say anything or they may have said something that can be construed otherwise, then maybe Lambert's on the hot seat. But I, I think with Sazik is coming out and standing up for him, I, I, I definitely think that it's it's a little different here. We got 45 of you right now watching. Make sure you are subscribed and like us. Appease the YouTube gods because that's what we need to have done. And uh, we're going to go and do some power rankings. But first, we got a message from DraftKings. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. And we have our first power rankings of the year. We were hoping to have all three of us today. I was going to actually have Anthony's uh, power rankings on there because I can't wait to show you them. But instead, you're going to have to get mine first. I figured Philk was going to do more talking in the beginning. So maybe I get a chance right here. So what happens when you got knowledgeable guys? Philk, I'm going to start with number five, best team in the Central Division, and they are living up to the hype, the Dallas Stars. I look at the stars. They're defending well. They are, uh, they're scoring goals. Uh, uh, Matt Duchesne had a goal last night. And you know what? Their losses aren't cheapies. They don't take nights off. So look out for them. And the team that started out really hot, if we did this two weeks ago, they would have been unbeaten and we, we all would have went. They're definitely number one, but I got them at number four now, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Shout out last night by the... Washington Capitals, not really the best uh, showing last night, but that was their first game of a road trip or or being out in Washington. Uh, I I think the Golden Knights, Cassidy's got them firing on all cylinders. Jack Eichel is playing on an MVP level, and I want to see if they are still hungry to win a Stanley Cup. After all, their first Stanley Cup, you know they were hungry for it. Let's see if they want to keep that. Number three, I'm going to shock a lot, of, uh, a lot of people here. I got the New York Rangers at number three. And a lot of people might see that. There's that eyebrow. I knew Philk was going to raise that eyebrow on me. If I got the New York Rangers at number three, I'm going to explain why. They have played so exceedingly well, and it's all their backups that are their unsung heroes. They're, they're second string guys, if you will, like Quick and Deming. But right now, Peter Laviolette has got this team playing so well that I am screwed up mispronouncing his name once. So I got you got to love what you're seeing out of them. And once they're back, if they keep the same system they got going, look out. This team is going to be pretty dangerous. Me, I love the Vancouver Canucks this year and what they're doing. Now, they do have the best goals, uh, goal differential in the NHL right now, but they did put up a 10 spot on the San Jose Sharks, which another team we're going to talk about later in Bar Talk also did. But I I think right now Elias Patterson is playing at an MVP level. Thatcher Demko is playing at a Vesna trophy level, and Quinn Hughes is playing at a Norris trophy level. Throw them all together, and right now Rick Tocchin is playing with the most talented team he's ever coached. And it's, I, 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 here's a team we all we were all thinking they might not make the playoffs because they had two big pieces drop. Phil, I, I'm giving credit to the Boston Bruins. I'm putting the Boston Bruins right now at number one. Uh, Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark are turning into pretty good seasons. They're not – well, I was going to say they're not scoring as much as they were, but did you see David Postradak's one-timer last night against the Buffalo Sabres? It looked like the most casual hammer – of a puck into the net ever. But I mean, he, he was just like, yep. Bing in. So I gotta, I gotta think that Boston right now, that's the team they got to beat. They were the number one team last year. Oh, until it got to the playoffs, uh, Florida Panthers are right there. And more about the Florida Panthers. One second. I think they're going to, the Boston Bruins, I think right now they're going to beat you with defense and that's how it's going to go. Philk, here are the rankings of all three of us. Uh, you have the Vancouver Canucks in there, and Anthony's got the Florida Panthers in and not the Dallas Stars. 
Philk, you and Anthony both have the New York Rangers at number one. Go on. Like I said, they're finding ways to win despite injuries. And they have points in their last 10 straight games. I don't know how any other team could be number one uh, at, at this point. Like, I get you like Boston and you like what they're doing, but they've had a relatively easy schedule for the most part. And I'm going to harp on Vancouver for that same reason. Mm. So let, let's take a look at Vancouver and what Vancouver has done. Because Vancouver has gotten away with some uh, easy schedules. So they, they have three wins against Edmonton, and they've scored 18 goals in those three games. And they put up a 10 spot against San Jose, which I feel like almost every team should do, <laughs> provided you have any bit of offense. But Vancouver, outside of, uh, I would say, beating maybe – I look at their schedule, and I, I don't think they've beaten anybody that's legitimate outside of Dallas. Well, the Panthers and uh, the Panthers are fighting for a wild card, but they yes. weren't viewed as a legitimate team. At the start of the season, people were wondering if they would make the playoffs, and that the I mean the only team that Vancouver has beaten that's any that's really any good is Dallas. They lost to Toronto. They lost mm-hmm. convincingly to Toronto. They lost to the Rangers in overtime. They lost to Tampa Bay four three in regulation. So, I mean, they even lost to Philly, 2-0. And Philly's not even that good of a team. So, I mean, I'm not saying that Vancouver's a bad team, but I, I couldn't have Vancouver higher than the Rangers. And I also could – I get Dallas having Dallas that far down low. Totally understand that one. Mm-hmm. The Bruins, their, their schedule has gotten harder, but they're still not playing tough teams – on a regular basis. Yeah. So, and that and that's really – so they lose to Montreal in overtime. They beat Buffalo, okay. They beat a struggling Islanders team. They beat Dallas, a good team, but they lose to Detroit. And that that's a team that they all thought they should have beaten. They beat Toronto in a shootout. They beat Florida in overtime. They beat Detroit previously 4-1. to one. They lost to Anaheim. Anaheim gave them their first loss. And then before that, I mean, they played Chicago twice. They've played San Jose, Nashville. I mean, these are all teams that they should beat, and they should beat somebody like Florida. And the way the Islanders are playing right now, they should beat the Islanders, and they should beat Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and I get it. You know, you you those are teams that you should beat, and you should win the games against the teams that you should beat. But Boston's not dealing with a ton of adversity like the Rangers are and finding ways to win. They're just playing – that they're just beating the teams that they have to beat. And that's fine. Kinda, yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. But I just don't think they're the best team in the league because of that. Yeah. I'm just going with the results right now. That's why uh, Vancouver and Boston are right there. But let's, um, let's focus on one of the teams that uh, Anthony mentioned in the Florida Panthers that in their last seven games, six and one, their, their goal differential is looking more and more, impressive when you consider Philk, they're doing this without Aaron Eckblad and Brendan Montour. Like it, it is impressive, but look at their last five wins and look at who they're against. Columbus, 5-4 overtime win. You let up four goals to Columbus. Mm-hmm. Washington, 4-3 overtime win. Carolina, 5-2 win. That's an impressive win. Give them mm-hmm. that. 
4-3 win versus Chicago. 4-3 win versus San Jose last night. Like, it, you only beat San Jose by one goal? That's not that impressive to me. So Yeah, uh, so you're kind of looking at the strength of schedule with those. I'm looking at strength of schedule. I'm, I'm looking at everything when it comes to these teams, not just – not just points, I, and I think that's what really the point is of power rankings. It's not supposed to be, oh, well, this team is here in standings. You can just list the standings at that point for all you want. Yeah. Well, no, I was going with the goal differential is one of my big things. So, but I, I, I again, I have to give the uh, is the NHL like uh, the NFL, NFL in terms of any given Sunday? I mean, yeah. I mean, on some nights, yeah. Some nights it is. I mean, that's that's why. The Florida Panthers upset the Boston Bruins in a seven-game series after the Boston Bruins won 65 games in the regular season. So, yeah. And Matthew Kachuk said in an interview they had that swagger. They believed they were going to win that series the entire time. Even, as he said, even when Marshawn was on a breakaway, he thought they were still going to win that series. And that's incredible, Phil, because that's, that's a lot of confidence. I wish. Uh, we just lost Mark. I don't know what happened there. I guess he got booted in some sort of way. He looks like he's coming back. Yeah, I ended up just accidentally hitting the my my laptop in the wrong way. Good so. job. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, uh, it's it, when I'll you're doing this. I, I like this comment because it, it, it this is true from Neg Type. Yeah. The yeah. So the the Rangers have been sloppy for various periods of time during their games. Um, the Minnesota game, they did not look good in the second period, but part of that is the ebbs and flows of a game. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You're not always going to have every period where you dominate, you know, a full 60 minutes. Yeah. I didn't like the Rangers the way that they played, you know, the last 50 minutes of the game against the first Minnesota game. And then, you know, obviously the second period was not good for the Rangers, but they played 40 really good minutes of hockey in that game. You want to talk about the Detroit game? Okay. So they played, I would say, anywhere from about 40 to 45 minutes of good hockey in that game. And then the last, I would say, 15 to 20, you could say, were not great. But again, ebbs and flows of a game. Teams push back. They're not just going to sit there and lie down like San Jose did against Vancouver and give up 10 goals and get absolutely destroyed every night. But this is really this is really the point. A win is a win. And they are finding them. The Rangers are finding them despite several key injuries. They resorted to a third-string goaltender who has played one game in the NHL this year. And he won it and had a 963 save percentage in that game. Like, what does that tell you about the way that this team is playing? RL, uh, RL310 is saying, uh, everyone is forgetting how valued Kaka was defensively, and he has grown immensely defensively. They're not going to just ship him out, or his value isn't going to be for a crazy high return. Uh, yeah, it, he's look. The thing is, I think Ranger fans are still thinking. Some of them still thinking that the guy is a number two overall draft yes. pick and a franchise player. And the Rangers do need to work on their second periods. That's been part of their. They were good before. early on, and they somehow became bad in second periods. Yeah, it's but, weird. Uh, but as far as like. Shipping him out for uh, the first guy that offers 50 bucks, that's not going to happen. If the Rangers no, move Kako, it's yeah. because they're going to move him. No, this and... is not Manny Malhotra part two. 
It's not going to be that. Nah, he's, he's going to be better than that. Um, this is actually a really good question. What's up with the problems getting out of their own end? The problem I see is that this team sometimes doesn't connect on breakout passes, and their breakouts are just something's just not fundamentally right. They've had this problem for a couple of years now, and it's a big problem as to why their five-on-five offense has not been the best over the years. So for me, I, I think it's an, it's a couple of things. One, sometimes their passes aren't connecting. And that is, one, a, pro, a part of execution. The execution's just not right. And two, they're going for higher, you know, fancier and higher danger passes to get out of the zone. And the other part is, it's, they seem to get into this sometimes a little too much, and I hate it because they over-rely on it, but the stretch pass. Yep, there they it is. rely on that stretch pass. And I've said this before a few times on there, is that when you use that stretch pass, that means that the forwards likely, for the most part, aren't in a position where they have their feet going. They're waiting for that pass. So instead of having their feet going and moving into the zone with speed and backing the defenders off the line, they're going in there and waiting, and the defense can just step up and break that play up. So it leads to either a turnover or them having to regroup. So it's an unsuccessful zone entry either way. Zone entries are important for sustaining offense. And I know that I sound like I'm talking like analytics speak with this, but it's really not analytics speak. It, it, it's basic hockey terminology here. A zone entry is important because if you gain that zone successfully and you set up your four check and you set up that play down low and you're cycling, that leads to chances against. That leads to sustained zone time. And that's what this team needs a lot more of. They're getting a little better with it, but I, I, I just – they need to get rid of that stretch pass. Not All right, I shouldn't say get rid of it. But they need to stop over-relying on it the way that they do, especially when they're down in games. When they're down in games, it's like, oh, quick transition, quick transition. Quick transition is not just catching other teams with their pants down with a stretch pass or a breakaway or a home run pass. It, it, it's moving the puck quickly out of your zone. And despite having four checkers on you, making those quick first two passes to get out of the zone and get the five-man unit skating in stride with the puck and moving through the zone with moving through the neutral zone, I should say, with speed. The Rangers don't do that enough, if you ask me. And that's why the team suffers at five on five. Yeah, and they fell in love with the stress pass under Gallant, and that's one of those things they're going to have to work out of themselves. Because you always get those coaches that they talk about, oh, that was in the culture when I got here, like the one too many passes on the power play. Well, but they're going to the all get there. Well, that's what happens when you put Dryden Hunt with like Artemi Panarin or Mika Zibanejad. Yeah, you a guy like that, and you 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 fixate on having a guy like Barkley Goodrow in your top six. That's what ends up happening because that's what those players are conditioned to. So, and I guess Joe, on this one, do you think uh, Laviolette will fix getting out of the zone faster? Uh, yeah, he will. Just that simple. Like and I said, I, I think it's execution, but I I think they need to get out of the whole use the stretch pass way too much, especially when they're down in the game. Um, this comment is great from Matt. Uh, they're starting to get more shifts where they trap the other team in the offensive zone. We we barely saw that under Gallant. You're right. A lot of Gallant's games were get a, a period of 
maybe like a shift or two where they have sustained offense and quick strike goal or two and get the lead. And then it would be sit back and then get mm. and hope that Igor would hold the fort. Yeah. And in this one, they're one, three, one, they're trapping teams deep. You saw in the first game against Buffalo, for instance, how many times did they cause uh, turnovers at the blue line? They did it to Minnesota again. The, uh, they did Minnesota they, again. They they in that third period against Minnesota, that's all they did. And Minnesota could not get shots in that period, and that was it. So once the Rangers get the lead, um, <laughs> that's it. They they clamp down, and they know how to. <laughs> Phil Housley knows. Yeah, that. I was laughing at that. <laughs> DP is saying uh, Phil Housley knows nothing about the oh, NHL. Hire Phil. Oh, uh, well, you know what? And by the way, I, I we keep on trying to go to the bar talk, everybody, but the, we, you keep on coming up with some good comments. Firestorm is a good one, too. Good. The 131 was designed to, the, to hard counter the Devils? Yes, absolutely. Because that's what they had to do. So we're going to be talking more about the NHL and the New York Rangers and a player that got honored from the New York Rangers uh, in the bar talk. Uh Fred was quoted as uh, being happy in the preseason with more Russian style. What you see from uh, what you see from him now is a team that knows that Brett is going to peel back on his own entry and have people in place. Yeah, uh, I, I think you know what I think you're right about this, Richie. And the one thing that I see that I hadn't seen in probably about like two years with Gallant, but you saw it before under Quinn when he was playing when Brett was playing with Stroman fast or Blackwell when Blackwell came in during that season, is that you have players that he makes that peel-off play like Gretzky would, and then you see guys like Trocek or, or Heedle or La, Lafreniere, they go to the right spots for those passes, and they play to that strength instead of playing away from it the way that they did for the last two years, which is crazy to think about because – Artemi Panarin was still putting up 90 points a season, despite the fact that they weren't playing to his strengths under Galan. Just mm. think about that. And yeah. And you know what? Well, he's headed for another 90 point season with the New York Rangers right now. Let's hope for that one zero zero. There you go. And uh, let's go to bar talk. Shot. This is the easiest cyber to answer. Miss a beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. And welcome back, everybody, to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're buying everybody around on this? So, so, I'll have a beer. Oh, just give me a shot. Play along down in the comments. And, of course, as always, why go to the liquor store when... You can have the liquor store come to you, make it a drizzly night. Phil, <laughs> is it is it the layup talk comment? Is that what's in there? <laughs> layup talk, as they were saying. Well, you know what? Sometimes you need the layups in order to like get a, get a topic uh, discussed. Where's Evan? Where's Evan? Uh, he's not. He's not able to make it tonight. He already apologized coming in. <laughs> and of course, the Big Apple Hockey trucker hats and these t-shirts are available. Click down below now. You mentioned him before and his Hall of Fame speech. Henrik Lundqvist inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame Monday night. I actually, I have not had the time to watch the speech, Phil. I really need to do that. 
Uh, um, it was really good. Go go back and watch it. A lot of guys mentioned. Um, really cool to see him talk about him and his brother Joel playing together at the World Championships, winning gold together for World Championships and everything in Sweden, and just awesome. Yeah. Not even mentioning that he was named one of People Magazine's most beautiful people with a twin brother. So then, and he was left off the list. That's a good looking man. I'm not going to lie. No, I'm not going to lie either, Philk. Uh, I'm not going to lie. But this is a debate that's always raged. Henrik Lundqvist is the greatest goalie in New York Rangers history. Really? Layup? What do you think? I would say it's a layup, but you know, you get the people that they're already going to say he doesn't have a cup. Mike Richter does. Oh my God. Stop. He holds just about every goaltending record there is for the Rangers. He's the second best goaltender to come out of Europe behind Dominic Hachik. Let's just throw that out there right now, because that's a fact. It's not Richter. Richter was part of the reason why they lost some of those series after 1994. Henrik Lundqvist was the greatest goaltender of his generation, hands down. He's got 450-plus wins. He's got a Vezina Trophy, which Richter never had. He's got all their records. He was the reason why they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and why they were as good as they were. And some of those teams, they didn't even deserve to make the playoffs. You think the 05-06 Rangers make the playoffs without Henrik Lundqvist? Yeah, Yager scored 123 points and 54 goals. That's great. But they're not making the playoffs with Kevin Weeks. No offense to Weeksy. I love Weeksy. But mm. Henrik Lundqvist was next level, and I'm sure that Kevin Weeks himself would admit that Henrik Lundqvist was, was probably the number one or number two reason why that team made the playoffs that year. But no, it's not Eddie Jockerman. It's not Mike Richter. Henrik Lundqvist is by far the greatest goaltender in Rangers history. And the only reason why he doesn't have a cup was because Glenn Sather didn't get the proper pieces around him. And that's it. And also Matt Zuccarello didn't wear ear guards in 2015. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys do that. I mean, I know it's just, I just, I don't understand why guys don't wear ear guards. That's just beyond me. But uh, Phil, I'm going to, I'm going to buy around on this. I've been arguing this for a long time. And everyone always goes, oh, he didn't win the cup. He didn't win the cup. Mike Richter won the cup and lost his job the next playoffs. Glenn Healy ended up taking over. Mike Richter got pulled in multiple playoff games in 1994 within yeah. two rounds. It wasn't even just in – actually, he got – yeah, it's just with, – with, In 94? With, it was only game four against the Devils. Didn't Isn't that the only time he got pulled? Didn't he get pulled in Vancouver? Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, the game six, I don't remember him in game six getting pulled, but, uh, we'll have to check on that. However, Philk, yeah, I understand it. And, uh, I, I would say after that, Richter was a pretty good money goalie in 97. He had a great run until he got to the flyers and the Rangers were just outmatched against the flyers. And in 96, they were built to take on the devils and the flyers. And they ended up getting the Canadians and the penguins. So they were just weren't built for those teams. And of course we had Neil Smith on to talk about that, but uh, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm still going to go with Henry Glock was number one. Cause after all you had cable backups behind those guys, Van Beesbrook for Richter and Keeley as well. 
You could argue John Van Beesburg could have won the 94 Cup as well. I'm not taking anything away from Mike Richter. I think he should get a call to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, of course, while I'm at it, Phil, I got his helmet right here because I, I just brought that in from my old apartment. But on top, because people forget how good of a, a goalie he was for Team USA. The guy, I think, should get a call from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mike Richter says it's out of his hands, so he doesn't worry about it. Philk, also that got inducted that night, Pierre Turgeon, former New York Islander for only about uh, four seasons, if I recall correctly. And he, uh, you know, you, you wonder how differently things could have been, even putting up great numbers after the Dale Hunter hit, as we all know. Pierre Turgeon is the second best center in Islanders history. I'm going to have to go shot because I'm going to give that to Pat LaFontaine. And I have a soft spot for both of these guys because Pierre Turgeon is one of three Islanders that I've ever liked while they were Islanders. So um, LaFontaine is one of those other two. The mm. other one is Zygmunt Palfi. But um, Pierre Turgeon is probably number – Actually, I can't even say he's number three. I got to say he's number four. I got to put Tavares ahead of LaFontaine at this point. It's just John Tavares was so good for the Islanders for so long. And I know that he didn't really have any of the accolades, but he probably should have won the 2015 Hart Trophy. I mean, thinking about it, I didn't think Carey Price – I thought Carey Price was very good that year. But – if the scoring was higher, like let's just say if Tavares had 100 points that year, I think Tavares probably would have won the Hart Trophy. It was a very, very low scoring year. So, um, oh, and this question is an easy answer. It's Dale Hunter. James oh, Jackson, yeah, it's much, much James more than Jackson Dale Hunter. LaFontaine, but that is nowhere nearly as bad as what Dale Hunter did. Yeah, I mean, LaFontaine was a clean hit. Yeah. Dale Hunter, even though Ray Ferrar, of all people, said he was just finishing his check. Um, I didn't, I, I still I view it as one of the dirtiest plays in NHL history. I agree. Uh, Phil, Phil, I'm just going to jump right on this one too. It's a shot because for me, second best center is the most underrated guy there because he who shall not be named for Islander fans is their second best center in their history. And you want to talk about a guy that didn't have much to work with. John Tavares had nothing to work with yeah. during his tenure Nothing a, in there. Palafontaine, great player, uh, most points ever for a New York athlete. That'll never ch- – um, well, sorry, for th- th- that played for multiple different teams. Chris, thank you very Love much. Thank you, too, Chris. Yeah, Love we're going to – we're. we're we, I wish we had all three of us on so that way uh, Anthony could see that. Yeah. Um, but this is um, this is an easy one. It's, it's, it's not Terrajon. But – Staying in the Metropolitan Division, the Washington Capitals, 7-2-1 in their last 10. They are second in the Metropolitan Division. Philk, Spencer Carberry will be a Coach of the Year finalist or Jack Adams finalist. Wow. Uh, It's a little too early to say that for me. Um, I'm not sure about this team. They're... They're playing well right now, and they beat they shut out Vegas last night, which was really impressive. They were really good in that game. But I'm not sure if I'm ready to say that this team is 
legitimate as of yet. They have some depth problems. Um, I wonder if Alexander Ovechkin is going to get going. And, I mean, look at their wins recently. They beat a depleted Devils team. They beat Vegas. They beat a struggling Islanders team. They lost to Florida in overtime. They beat Columbus. They lost to the Islanders 3-0. They beat San Jose 3-1. They beat Minnesota. They they actually beat a – altogether devil's team six four but um i don't know i i i don't think that they're gonna be there at the end of the year so i'm i'm gonna say i'm gonna say shot wow all right um i'm gonna give him the credit i'm gonna say he's gonna be there sure he had more toys to play with in toronto but you know what? You're telling me, let's just go through the Washington Capitals real quick. Alexander Ovechkin, four goals. Eric, uh, John Carlson, almost said Eric Carlson, because we're going to be talking about him in a minute. One goal. Kuznetsov, three goals. Wilson, three goals. And none for TJ Oshie. I mean, and, and then you don't get Nicholas Backstrom anymore. He's, uh, though, they've got other guys that are stepping up. Uh, uh, Connor Carmichael is stepping up. And they got uh, uh, Alexi Protus. He's yeah. coming up. So uh, they they got guys that are that are starting to play well. That are young guys. It looks like they might be. You know, the cupboard might not be completely bare. But I think Carberry's done a pretty good job with the team that I just thought was going to be getting their doors blown off. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not ready to say that they're a coach of the year finalist yet. In, in You make the bold prediction right now, and then later I mean, on, you go, a bold oh, they ran into trouble. You, I mean, you are making a bold prediction, but again, I, I just think that this team is not built properly to be one of those teams that's going to be one of the better teams in the league by the end of the year. So I just – I don't see it. Well – just a little west of them is a coach that won two Stanley Cups and went through Washington multiple different times. The Pittsburgh Penguins and Mike Sullivan, they've won five straight after their three and six start. So it's got me holding back on my victory lap. Pittsburgh is becoming a feared team, Philk. What do you think? Um, I don't know about feared. That that would inspire that that would be I'm gonna say shot on that part just simply because of the wording. Feared. I uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Um are they playing good hockey right now? Yeah, they're playing better. I I, I still think they're very leaky defensively. I, I still think Carlson is awful in his own zone. Uh, I mean they beat San Jose 10 to 2. Okay. Vancouver put up a 10 spot on them. Um, they beat LA in overtime. Okay, cool. Nice. They beat Buffalo 4 0. They're not a good team right now. They beat Columbus 5 to 3 last night. Not really a good team either. They lost to Anaheim, lost to Ottawa. They beat Colorado 4 0, which was interesting. I mean, again, they're playing better hockey, but feared? No. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna join you with the shot on that. I don't think it's feared. I think they're everybody knows who they're gonna be to begin with. It's just as far as I think uh Pittsburgh is going, I, you know, I, I think they're writing the ship, but they're doing it against bottom feeders right now. I mean, right now, me and you could probably put up some goals on San Jose, and well, I have not been able to do anything. 
John, thank you very much. Thank you. And um, I just, I just don't, I don't see them as being feared. It's just, yeah, but... I, I don't trust Jari either. Myr for life, and I, I mean, I don't fear their defense. Uh, Ryan Graves hasn't looked great with them so far. Um, they, they definitely look like they're feeling the loss of Brian Dumoulin. And Sidney Crosby is is just simply a renaissance man. He, he he he's another one who should probably be up for the Hart Trophy right now with the way he's playing. Four point night hat trick last night. Now mm-hmm. has um, nineteen points, I believe. He's just he's really good. So uh, I definitely think that uh, Pittsburgh is playing better hockey, but feared is just no. Fear is a little bit too strong of a word. And also, the other thing about Pittsburgh is they break down as the year goes on. So that's the other thing that they're, they're going to have to look out about. The Ottawa Senators right now, they're sitting in last place in the Atlantic Division. They have 13 points. And Philk Pierre Dorian, as we uh, started last week's show, was relieved of his duties. DJ Smith is on the hot seat. Uh, I This is a tough one. It's a really tough one because I – I don't think that he's necessarily there yet. Um, I I think they're a young team and they're still kind of gelling together. They've been kind of up and down, but they've had some tough opponents to play. To play. They, they lost opening night to Carolina. They lose to Detroit. The Buffalo loss is kind of concerning because Buffalo really hasn't been that great of a team, but they, they lost to the Islanders. They beat the Penguins, funny enough, but they lost to L.A. They lost to Toronto. They lost to um, Vancouver and Tampa Bay. They had a stretch where they played four legitimate teams right in a row, and they lost three of those games but somehow beat Toronto, and then they beat Calgary. So uh, I don't know. I don't think so yet. I'm gonna. I'm probably going to say shot as of right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be a question on where this team is going. I'm actually going to go to beer because Jeffra, thank, thank you very much. You guys are you guys are coming in hard with these uh with these super chats. Thank you all very yeah. much. Thank you very much, everybody today. Yeah, you guys are you guys are doing great with all these super chats. You know, I they're they're not playing great. They're not playing bad enough where you have to fire them. But I mean. Look at Buffalo. You're barely getting past them. They're gonna. It depends on what their um, what their expectations are. Philk, speaking about ex- expectations, who do you expect to win the Calder Trophy? Wow. Oh, jeez. Well, who is your pick to win the Calder Trophy? My pick from the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, I'd have to go back. I, I don't remember who I picked. I think I might have picked Levi. Oh, because uh, actually yours oh, was no, Connor Bedard. Bedard. I picked Bedard. <laughs> Connor Bedard scored his ninth goal of the season last um, just the other day, and he will score 40 goals this season. Yeah, I, I said book Bedard for scoring 40 goals before the start of the season. So – um, I'm going to go round on this and I'm sticking with it because he's got nine already and he's getting better every game. You just see him getting more comfortable and more confident. Not that he lacked confidence at all, 
but it seems like he's like adjusting to the rigors of the NHL. And the great ones usually find ways, especially when teams adjust to them and figure out how to game plan to them. They find ways to counteract that game planning. And Connor Bedard seems to be doing this because the teams seem to be playing him physically. And he's just, he takes the hit. He gets back up. He doesn't really say much. He had Brad Marchand trying to troll him and throw him off this game all game and still played well. So, like, you have stuff like that happening to you and you're still succeeding? Round for me. I'm going to go round two. I didn't think he was going to be able to get to 40 this year, but it looks like he's going to. He's shaking off all the uh, the butterflies, and he's he's becoming the star the Blackhawks thought he could be. Yeah, if, if, if Taylor Hall could stay healthy, he could definitely um, help Connor towards that goal. And let's move to a team that made a coaching change this week. Who thought first coach fired was going to be Jay Woodcroft, who, by the way, uh, I think at least two of us had the Edmonton Oilers in the Stanley Cup contenders. We did power rankings back in September. But they ended up putting in Chris Knobloch and winning his debut Monday against the Islanders. The Oilers have a run in them. Ooh, wow. Oh, man. This is a tough one. Um, I'm going to go beer. Uh, as much as I, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl are probably going to be reignited from the coaching change itself, and that'll help them a bit. But I really wonder how much this team can do with the defense and goaltending being as bad as it's been. Stuart Skinner has not looked the part. Like we all thought Stuart Skinner was going to play better this year. Sophomore slump clearly in place for Stuart Skinner. Jack Campbell, I think Campbell's suit could give you better goaltending than Jack Campbell could. So um, he's just been really bad. They just don't have an answer there. Supposedly they were very close to making a goaltending move last week, according to, I think it was Elliot Friedman who had um, tweeted that out. So it was last Wednesday that they supposedly almost made a big goaltending move. I don't know what that move would have been. I don't know who's available, but it seems like in order for them to really make that run, they're probably going to have to make that move and have Dreisaitl and McDavid play a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I'm going to just go beer on this as well because everything you just said, they're probably going to get some really good play out of McDavid and Dreisaitl, especially if McDavid gets healthy again. And, you know, they, they, their goaltending and their defense is still rather porous. So I, I particularly don't exactly like what we're seeing out of them. No. And lastly, uh, although we're going to go to some other topics after this, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins will be retiring Yarmer Yager's number 68. Pittsburgh honoring Yager is long overdue. And Phil, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go round on this. I I, I think the it, the feud with Yager never really made that much sense to me anyway. The Penguins couldn't pay him. They had to sell him off. So what was the, really the problem? But you know what? It is what it is. Yager is arguably the third greatest penguin all time like come on just just honor the guy what do you think i'm gonna say here la yeah yeah 
Yeah. Uh, the, I'll, I'll add a little bit to that. So when Mario Lemieux came back during the 2000-2001 season, December of 2000, when he came back, there were words going around that Yarmir Yager was unhappy behind the scenes with the Lemieux comeback and the way that things were going. And there was an issue with management. And that's why there was a feud between Penguins and Yager for a very long time. But that issue should have been resolved years and years ago. So Yarmir Yager absolutely deserves having his number 68 retired. By the Penguins, like, and you're right. He's definitely the third best player in team history behind, I would say, Lemieux and probably Sidney Crosby at this point, just because Sidney Crosby has had such a long and successful career with them. Um, but I'll say this: Yaromir Yager did a lot for the Rangers post salary cap, uh, post lockout in the salary cap era. He was the driving force. Him and Henrik Lundqvist were really the two driving forces for the Rangers to get off the ground and to get back to respectability after being the laughing stock that they had been for years. I know the Rangers won't retire Yarmer Yager's number because he just was not there long enough for it. But I would really love to see the Rangers do something for a Yarmer Yager night at the Garden. Uh, I really would because that man deserves it. My aunt worked with him, has nothing but great things to say about him. Um, there was even a night where they were, were working casino night one year and someone was running around that had a little too much to drink and knocked her over. And Yarmir Yager went, found this guy, grabbed him by the back of his suit jacket and was about to pummel this guy, and my aunt stopped him from doing it. <laughs> so Yarmir Yager, class act, great dude, funniest dude. I would love to see Yarmir Yager more like in like commentary based and stuff like that, and 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 working with like broadcasts because I I think he would be gold. He's got the he's got a great great personality. Um, I, I just think he's great for the game. Uh, he's universally liked everywhere he's gone. I, I just, oh, I, I, I think of the world of this guy, and it's crazy because I, I hated him growing up because of how much he killed the Rangers. And I, mean, oh, he he destroyed the Rangers. So, he, 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 if not for Mario Lemieux, he may be the greatest Ranger killer ever. So, um, yeah, that's a great that's a great question because I, whenever I think about Ranger killers, I don't go to stars right away. I always go like the. Uh, oh, are you gonna go to John Drews on me? Well, that's what you think, John Drews, or even Kelly Miller. Kelly Miller, their former Kelly Ranger, Miller, Mike Ridley. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, there's always yeah. or or the guy that always scored on um, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, Blake Como, who is uh. Yeah, fourth. that's not yeah. much of a Ranger killer to me. Sorry, but Yarmer Yager was a guy who put up tons and tons of points against the Rangers, but um, <laughs> Yager. Yager deserves something with the Rangers, and I, I, I would love I would love to personally see his number retired. I don't think the Rangers ever will, and I don't I don't think there should ever be another Ranger that should wear sixty eight after him. And that's the part of the reason why I think his number should be retired. Yeah, well, you know what? I can't argue with you on that, and they should at least do some way to honor 
his uh, his contributions to the organization in that season that he put up one of the greatest in uh, Rangers history. Probably the greatest so, season in Rangers history. You, you, the guy scored 54 goals and 123 points. And just every night he was must watch TV. And I, Oh, yeah. It, it's funny because I, I tweeted, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, that this Ranger team, the way that they're playing right now, reminds me of that 0506 team in a way, but better and deeper. And I say that because I could draw parallels. I could draw a parallel between the dominant Yager and the dominant Panarin right now. Now Panarin is scoring crazy numbers right now. He's on pace for like a hundred and he's on pace to shatter Yager's points record. If he continues at this point, um, Yager got robbed of the heart trophy that year. He absolutely did. He absolutely deserved it. Joe, Joe Thornton had got, he had talent around him in Boston and then he went to San Jose and had Patrick Marlowe to play with there. Yeah, and I know Jonathan Chichu scored 56 goals because he was like 40-something goals that he scored after Thornton came over in the trade. Trade actually happened on my birthday, funny enough, November 30th, 2005. That was when that deal was made. And I even just – but, yeah, just what Yager did playing with Michael Nylander – and Marty Straka and Straka, yeah, Straka had a couple of really good years in Pittsburgh. Get a couple of ninety point seasons with usually Yager. playing with Yager. Yeah, in ninety nine and two thousand one, he didn't play with Yager in two thousand one. That was Kovalev. Played, it was Kovalev and Lang that he played with in two thousand one, and that line was the second highest scoring line in the NHL behind Joe Sakic's line with Milan Hedog and Alex Tangay. So, um, just a fun little fact there, but. Yeah, Yager has done so much to bring back hockey to respectability in New York with with that three-year run. He brought the Rangers back into the spotlight. And there were a lot of – and I could could say this personally. I remember a lot of Ranger fans who were more casual, you know, fair weather, not not a a smite at them or anything like that, but a lot of fans who didn't watch the Rangers as much as the diehards did came back because of what Yager was doing for those years. And those Yager jerseys and T-shirts, they were all over the place at the Garden, in the city. Even here on Long Island, you would see them all over the place. So Yager is, as you've mentioned several times, Phil, they could have had them two years prior. Or three years prior, I think. It was. Oh, Glenn Sather fell asleep at the wheel. Yep. Oh, well. Well, everybody, that's the end of Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're engaging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. So let's move on to some news and notes around the NHL right now and around the hockey world. Uh, Philk, we're going to start with the Patrick Kane. He ain't coming back to the New York Rangers. Reports from everyone you can mention, from Neil Smith to Larry Brooks, all saying Kane is out on the Rangers. What are your thoughts on that one? Maybe for the best. Um the hip resurfacing surgery is is a big risk. I will say this. The players who have had it done in the past were either declining, played a very physical game, and basically wore their bodies out, or they were older than Patrick Kane. So like Ed Jovanovsky, for example. He was mm-hmm. older when he had it. And he couldn't play afterwards. Couldn't really do anything. Ryan Kessler was basically on his way out. Um, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, I, I, I think he's done. 
I, I really do. I, I think that's that's basically it. Um, but if the reports are true that he's looking for a multi-year deal in a range of three to four million, it's probably not in the Rangers' best interest anyway. Uh, it sucks. I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen what they could have done with him, and I think you know a boost at right wing is definitely necessary with the way that Capo Caco and Blake Wheeler are struggling. But maybe this is for the best. Who knows? I think it's definitely for the best. It lets it lets a lot of the guys off the hook for right now. You look for different options. I I kept on saying this over and over again. It's a lot to ask Patrick Kane to be Patrick Kane, and um, it's Phil. After the Devils, they had to get younger and faster. You don't do it by bringing in a thirty-four year old coming off hip resurfacing. So that's just my thoughts on that one. And, of course, um, I've avoided talking about it for a while, Philk. But uh, but the there was an arrest in the incident that happened with Adam Johnson last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever your opinions on it are, I do think that the player acted recklessly. And it's going to go through the full process. And hockey's going to be on the microscope with that. I just still don't see how it's. It was just a total accident. I've never kicked my leg up that high when when I played. So, uh, yeah, Matt Petgrave to me, and I, I don't think he meant to, to kill Adam Johnson. Absolutely I not. I don't think he did. I don't either. even know if he knew Johnson was there. Um, especially with that level of contact, it's too light of, of a bump to be able to flail around like that. But what I think he may have been doing was I think he might've been looking to try to draw a call. And I think it, it ended up costing him. You know, I think this is mentally going to be with him for the rest of his life. And this is something that he's going to have to deal with. And I do feel for him in that regard. Um, but I, I, there's no way that you should be flailing around like that from that light of contact. Uh, absolutely not level skater you shouldn't be coming off your feet like that and and also phil it was his lead leg that's the problem i have with it yeah it's the lead if it was the back leg and he spun around and maybe i can understand that yeah i can understand that not the lead leg can and the amount of like that's never happened i've never seen it happen so unfortunately uh, again and and uh I, I'm uneasy talking about it because obviously it's, you know, it's, we, I still play and it's the last thing I would ever want my fiance to see. Uh, and the family of Adam Johnson, you just, you feel for them because. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, any other news around the league? Uh, the NHL is supposedly looking at changes to 3v3 overtime. Oh, that's right. They're thinking about putting in a shot clock or something like that. They were experimenting with either the idea of a shot clock or having a rule like a like an NBA backcourt type rule. So where you can't go back into the backcourt. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I know, Phil, and okay. I don't know if you could tell by the look on my face. Why, why don't we just make blades of steel where you just line up or mighty ducks too. You line up, you just shoot the puck. You don't move. 
You don't deke. You don't do anything. Just shoot the puck. Never mind that. Why don't we just put him at center ice? Put like the little the little uh, hole in the net. Put a board over it, and then just shoot it and make it win. Just stop screwing with the game. Just go ten minutes and go to a three point system. Go to a three point system and and get rid of loser points. I've been saying this for years. Get rid of loser points. You have teams that go to overtime, that go to shootouts, and they're okay because they get loser points. If yeah. You, if you take away points from teams for um, <laughs> no no problem, Chris. Yeah, you can't go. You can't go back into the backcourt once you advance it into the. Other yeah, end. once you advance it past center court, you can't go yeah. backwards. So give me give me three minutes and give me three points for a regulation win. Give me two points for an overtime win. Give me one point for a shootout win. And zero points for any type of loss. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? You're going to see teams play a lot harder in different situations. Oh, well, this team's chasing this team for division. They need three points. They're going to try to win that game in regulation. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I think even the 3-2-1 system, I think, would work great for the NHL. Yeah, that's because... what I'm saying. A 3-2-1 system with a no loser point rule. Stop giving teams loser points. Stop. And it's, no need for it. it, it what, what's up next? The the hit it here sign and win the game like in Futurama that baseball can implement. Just <laughs> stop screwing with your game. I mean, it, it's it, it and the, the funny thing about this is Philk, it was called as soon as they went to three on three. Every analyst, I think EJ Raddick said it himself, and so did uh, John McClain back when they used to do Hockey Night in New York. This is it, – it's going to get coached out of the game. Everybody knew this. It's going to get coached out of the game. And look yeah. at what they got. You got three on three. And if you don't like it, go get the puck. It's one puck. Go get it. Yeah, go get it. And, if you know, David's saying, I don't mind a point for shootout loss because that's replacing a tie. Okay, so – that the other team gets one point and the losing team gets one point too. No, that's stupid. That's stupid. That's basically a tie at that point. Both teams get the same amount of points. So no yeah, reason. I mean, it's two for, I would say two for any overtime uh, past 60 minute win and three for a 60 minute win. And if you want to give out the loser point, fine, but you got to raise the stakes a little bit more. Loser points. Stop, stop giving points to teams for losing. Stop getting rewarding teams. That's why you know the Islanders made the playoffs a couple of years ago, and they no not 21, 22. It was what was it twenty twenty one? I think it was, and they had a ton of shootout losses. Yeah, they had a ton of them, and and they were getting loser points for just getting to overtime. Like, stop giving out these points to teams for losing. Let. Force teams to play for winning. Force them to play for wins. The product is better when they try to go for a win. State, uh, he's asking right now, what's your take on three-on-three? Do you prefer five-on-five or three-on-three? I would have said four-on-four, just go ten minutes. Uh, But you know what? Actually, I would have gone five-on-five for ten minutes. But they made me believer in four-on-four, and then they made me a believer in three-on-three. Just increase the 10 minutes. That's where just, I, yeah. I kind of go with all this. Continuous 10-minute overtime instead of instead of, uh, instead of of shootouts at this point. Well, I would you know what? Shootouts, shootouts are now part of the game. Everybody was so excited to get it in there when it first got in there, back when it was the all-star game and Danny Heatley. But 
you know, just it is what it is with that. Just stop with the stop with the constant tinkering on the game. So, and yes, but Chris, their generation is soft, but that goes in so many other levels. Uh, John saying college does three points for regulation, two points for overtime and shootout, and one point for the loser. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in, in Firestorm, we always we we all prefer the playoff sudden death because hell, if you can go, <laughs> well, there you know what, Phil, but that goes into if you got back to back, and you're with the travel in there. I mean, that's the thing they try to think about stuff like that, or can the fans stay for much longer? That's why baseball wanted to get rid of theirs. Uh, Hall of Fame ballots next year. Uh, I think we were going over that a little bit. Um, I, I want, yeah, I, I, Pablo I, Datsuk was, thin, right? Chat. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was in the group chat. I'll pull that up again. Sorry. Yeah. Um, let me, let me go find out. Okay. So, uh, next year's class of, um, eligibles, Rod Brindamore, Pavel Datsuk, Patrick Eliash, Sergey Gonchar, Curtis Joseph, Ilya Kovalchuk, Patrick Marlowe. Ryan Miller, who was a guest of ours. Um, no, 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 Chris, you're good. You, you, you I, I was just saying we went over that in the, in the chat, um, in our group text. Sorry, my fault. Um, Ryan Miller, Alexander McGillney, Pecorine, Keith Kachuk, and Henrik Zetterberg. Um, I, I said right off the bat that I want Datsuk, McGillney, and Curtis Joseph in. Uh, Curtis Joseph was top five all time in goaltending wins for a while. Um, never won a Vezina. He won Olympic gold as a backup in 2002 at Salt Lake City. Um, I, I think that Curtis Joseph, if he wasn't a part of the greatest goaltending generation we've ever seen, I, I think that he would, uh, I think he probably would have been the best goaltender of his generation and he would have been in already, but he played in a generation that had Hashik, Wah, Belfour, and Brodor. And those are four of the best ever. So yeah. Um I could make a case for Rob Brindamore. And welcome Anthony. Yep. So going we're gonna wait to announce that. And yes, you could definitely make a case for Rod Brindamore. And again, Keith uh, Keith Kachuk is another guy that I would actually make a case on. But since we got Anthony back in here, yep. I've got to circle back to our A block and just ask this question. Anthony, what are your thoughts right now on the Islanders' five-game winless streak? And uh, we'll start with this. What do you think about Casey Zeke telling Islander fans to stay home? Yeah, um, I don't. I, I didn't like that. Uh, you know, Sasikis has been a guy that's always, you know, talked about you know the fans and they love the fans and all that. Um, I think you know the the right play for. And I get it. They're on. They're just as frustrated as the fans. They don't want to lose. They're the ones playing on the ice. Is right after the game. So I get maybe maybe he regrets saying it. But I think you got to basically just say, you know, rather than attacking the fans, saying I have no patience for them, you know, stay home. He should have said, you know what? It's not on the coach. It's on us. You know, something along those lines. Because clearly he's okay. not – obviously he's not, he's not going to say, oh, yeah, Lane must go. So that would have been the correct thing to say. Oh, you know, 
I get their frustration. You know, we want to win just as much as they are, as they want us to win. But, you know, it's on us, not the coach. I think he should have said that. Um, as for, you know, the whole situation, um, and I, I wrote about it in my article that hopefully should be up in the next day or so. But um, and during this 0-4-1 streak, they had the lead or were tied at some point in the third period in four of those five losses. And that's, that's frustrating, you know, cause those are, those are games that they could have, you know, won or at least got a point in. And I think when you see that trend of blowing, you know, of basically losing the game in the third period, I think that, I think that falls on the coach, you know, again, the players are on the ice deciding the outcome, but that, that type of situation I think is on the coach. Um, and I don't, I don't think he's pushing, I don't think he's pushing the right buttons. I, I think he gets out coached frequently. Um, and I, you know, I think that maybe this is a case of where he was a great assistant, but as a head coach, I'm kind of, you know, I don't, I don't particularly, you know, think he's maybe the right man for the job. So I think it's moot though. I don't think Lou's making a move. Um, you know, Lou seems to be a lot, uh, not as fiery in his older age. You know, I think when he was younger, this is a guy that was almost like George Steinbrenner. He'd wait fire coaches and <laughs> you know, not stand for crap. So I, I think uh, I think he's going to hold on to him. I mean, I think they would have to really, really start to lose a lot of games for him to be fired. But I personally wouldn't have an issue if he was let go now. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but again, the whole – I would rather just lose – 5-1 every night then 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 have a lead or be tied in the third period and basically have all the games get away because to me that you know that's a situation that's inexcusable you got to find ways to win a game and they haven't been and it's more frustrating because you know the team's better than this and you look at them tonight Bo Horvat's first game versus the Vancouver Canucks think they could pull out a win there I mean, it's not that they're not, you know, they're not playing the 1980 Soviet team here. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they could they could beat the Canucks if they play their game. But the way they're the way they're playing right now, it doesn't really give me a lot of, you know, a lot of faith. No. But we'll we'll have to see. I mean, they this and they, they need they need someone to, you know, to pull them, pull them out of the fight, get them into the fight and and. Someone needs to, you know, lead by example tonight, whether it be, you know, a guy like, you know, Barzell or Horvat come with two goals or, or like a, you know, someone playing really, really sound defensively or Sorokin shutting the door. They need they need someone to to really take the leads here and say, hey, guys, you know, we need to get out of this funk because, you know, even though it's early, you, you can kind of let the season get away from you if you lose, you know, six, seven, you know, eight in a row. Uh, thank you very much, Christopher. Really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think they just they got to get back to their game. They got to get back to their game. They got they got to play. They got to play better. And um, the last thing I'll, I'll say is, you know, Noah Dobson is playing fantastic. He leads the team in scoring, but you don't want your defenseman to lead your team in points. Um, they need they 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 just need better production out of their, out of their forwards. And, you know, Anders Lee, you guys saw the picture. I, I, you know, he was gracious enough to meet with my, me and my family after the Islander game on Saturday for my daughter's birthday. Um, you know, all the, the work he does with charity and can jam cancer. I think he's a fabulous human. 
I, I know, I no doubt that he's a great leader. Um, but as a guy who wears the C, one goal, one assist, two points in, in 14 games, um, you know, he needs, he needs to be a guy that shows up as the captain, you know, score, score a big goal tonight or, or get, you know, get his game going. Um, I'm not ready to say his game has just fallen off a cliff like that quickly, but um, I I need to see more out of him. I, I need I, I need to see more out of him for sure. I, I would definitely agree. The the one thing that I'll disagree with you on though is the fact that this is all on the coach, and it's it it's a big part of it is on the players. And I I wouldn't want to be seeing that team getting smoked five one every night. You know, you're 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 out you're out getting pumped five deuce in the uh, five goose in the no show. No, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be like you know those guys. You know, yeah. You want to. You, you don't want to be like the San Jose yeah. Sharks. You want to like the fact that they're playing well enough to get the lead late in games. I, I think that tells you that something is there. It's just the execution, and that part of that is you're right, and part of that is coaching and not finishing games and not having a killer instinct. But ultimately. You need more from Barzell. You need more from Horvat. You need more from Lee. Dobson can't be your team's leading scorer. No, he can't. He's relying on Kyle Palmieri to have a resurgence to make the playoffs. Like it's it, the roster is flawed, and a lot of that is on Lou. Now, just ask. Uh, I'm going to get back to Chris's question, and uh, yeah, I want to answer that off. question too because he, he definitely deserves an answer on that. So. Yes, we're we're def, we're we're not we're not skipping on the question. Uh, but Anthony, which is kind of the worst situation where the Islanders were in February when they really had their scoring problems and the power play was the worst in the NHL, and then they rebounded, st- uh, finished strong, made the playoffs, or this situation right now. Um, I mean, I guess this situation, cause at least they're, I mean, they're in games. Um, but you know, they're not, I mean, they scored two goals the last two games, only one, one goal each of the last two games. So they're not lighting it up either. But, um, I, I guess now just cause it's earlier, usually when, when you play like you, they were doing in, in February later in the season, it's, it's harder to come out of it, make a run and make the playoffs. So, um, I guess I'd rather have all this happen now than, than later. Um, but I don't know. They, again, they, they need, they just need to play more consistent. Um, and the shots, oh my God, the shots. I mean, they're, like I said, they're, they allow the second most shots average in the league. Only San Jose allows more shots than them per game. Um, yeah, that's they not going to help need, them. They, no, they, they need to buckle down. They, they need they need to buckle down. And this is what I mean. Like Lane Lambert needs to adjust things because it's not getting any better. They keep allowing so many shots per game. And, you know, like, let, if you're, for instance, you know, last year and really since since he's been here, you know, Ely Sorokin has kind of masked their defensive deficiencies. Um, and, you know, everybody's human. You know, I mean, you saw, you know, last year there was a stretch where, you know, Igor Shosturkin's save percentage was around 903, 904. So, the guy's human. He, he's getting peppered, and he's not playing like he can. And I'm not concerned about it. I, I think he's. I think he's gonna bust out of it. But you know, there's there's the difference between last year and this year. You know, last year the guy was sporting. You know, uh, of, of the season as a whole, nine twenty seven 
save percentage, but per game, it seemed like he was cranking out, you know, 940 save percentage every, you know, every couple of games. Um, and that's not happening now. So he needs to find his game. But in the meantime, the Islanders need to support him and cut down on shots. Put your body in front of the puck, score more goals for him, let him figure it out. But um, it's just right now, again, there nothing's really going right for him. No, and you're right. And the other issue I have with letting Lane Lambert go right now is that you have to have somebody out there that you can bring in to replace this guy because you cannot go from Lane Lambert to a Jay Woodcroft type who's relatively inexperienced overall and just repeat the same process. The The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, they say. That would be the definition of insanity. I offered as an alternative, I, I, I would be scared if the Islanders did this because I think he could fix a lot of the problems they've had over the last five years, is I think that Bruce Boudreaux would be a great fit for the Islanders. Yeah, if they he would to be. Go with new coach. And yep. I, I think he would fix their offensive woes, which they've been one of the worst offensive teams over the last, I would say, five years. They're usually bottom – bottom 10 in the league offensively. And then their power play is anywhere from, I would say like maybe 16, 17 to like bottom of the league power play wise, that that's somebody who would really come in and help get a lot out of the guys that are scoring. Like you want somebody to get Matt Barzell to get to that next level. Maybe Bruce Boudreaux can get inside that head of his and teach him offense in a different light. And that would be a scary thought for, everyone else in that Metro division because he's got million dollar talent. The hands are incredible. The skating is incredible. The playmaking is incredible. The shot could be improved, but it's also what goes on up here with a guy like him. So for me, you bring in boost Brujo, you fix all those problems. And not only that, but sometimes the best defense is having a great offense. And if you have a great offense and you're possessing the puck, Hello, Detroit Red Wings of, of, of a 20-plus year span with Steve yeah. Eisner, Sergey Fedorov, and all those guys. You're not playing in your defensive zone nearly as much. So No. Uh, that's the – you're right. I mean, I don't want them to fire – him to fire Lane Lambert, and he just, you know, promotes John McClain, and, you know, he's the head coach. I mean, I, that, I think you're just spinning the wheels there. But, um, you know, I I do think a change could could help. Um, but again, I, I don't, you know, I don't really see it happening right now, unfortunately. Um, well, Bruce has always done things in a bit of an unconventional way. I mean, after all, he fired a coach and replaced him with himself, and he just went down there and yeah. came down and told that story. That was great when we interviewed him. But also, Lou did it a second time, and he had co-coaches when it was Adam Oates mm-hmm. and Scott Stevens that were on the bench, and Lou was standing there on the bench the entire time. Yeah. So it's, I, you know, I you, you know, that caught you up. Though. The other thing is too, cause you mentioned Barzell, like, you know, Horvat has 11 points in 13 games. Not, not bad. Barzell has, you know, 10 points in 14 games. Again, you, you'd want him to have more, not terrible. I think what those guys aren't hurting him. What's hurting him is, is Lee one goal. Engvall, zero. Pajot, zero. Wallstrom. But that's a Lou thing, though. And, and, and you know what? And that, and part of that is also a Lambert thing because Lambert's putting him in a top six role and he's not giving him anything because he's not suited for that. 
All right. They need more goals. They need more goals out of those guys. But yeah. um, he's asked this question twice now, so I just want to. Oh, this <laughs> one. Answer this. He's asking um, why I why I, I picked the Rangers first. Um, so my rankings were they weren't necessarily based on the overall standings as they sit. I also based it on like how the teams play, like their last their record over the last ten games, and. Over the last ten games, the Rangers have the best record. Where they nine nine zero and one, last ten games. Uh, so for me, um, it was an easy decision. Again, I, I'm yeah, I'm an Islander fan, but I tell it like it is. You know, the Rangers are playing fantastic, so I have no problem putting them first. N- no qualms about it at all. So I mean that that's why I, p- I picked the Rangers first because I like their record the last ten games and they're playing well and they're getting it done with the likes of you know Louis Domingue and you know Jonathan Quick. So. Uh, yeah, hat off to him for sure. Um, but yeah, I hope that answers your question. I did. He just yeah. wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm gonna just have I'm gonna ask this last question and I'm gonna sign off myself. No, I got no. a beautiful Let's girl. Go back that... to Chris's question. Yeah, I'm circling back to Chris's question. Yeah. Oh, cause... sorry, we hit the same one at the same time. Yeah. So. A question for you all. If you could scrap with one NHLer, past or present, who would you want to go into a Tilly with and why? Oh, man. Now, here's the thing. Every one of them is going to kick my ass, Philk. <laughs> oh, no shit. We're all getting our asses kicked by these guys. So, oh. I keep going to Domi. I, you know what? I thought about Domi, too. Oh man, and don't Domi just because I, I could see him just being a like I could see myself laughing while fighting him, like <laughs> or at least have, going out having a beer with him afterwards. He would, he would exchange pleasantries and then laugh with you while he's fighting you. He just seems like that type of guy, and he seems like the type of guy you want to go have a beer with you afterwards. Yeah, I, but I, I mean, and he's a former Ranger. You know, that, that's always good. And then he beat Bob Proberton. He did the championship belt celebration. Um, that was – that's classic. Um, I, you know what? I, I think Probert would probably just be overkill because he's just so big oh, and God, strong. Yeah. And, oh, man. Um let me give you one because after all, he appeared in the movie Goon. And I know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Matt Barnaby. Matt Barnaby would be an interesting one, uh, but George LaRock seemed like a guy that he. Oh, he would kill you! You want to talk about a big, strong dude? LaRock was a freaking beast. Yeah, but it, it's it, he's also that type of guy that that he'll skate to you in the faceoff and then just go, "Yeah, you ready? We're gonna have to go." And you. So we we talking about who we want to who we want to get we want to have a fight game? with from the NHL past present whatever doesn't matter we would get our asses handed to us well, of course no everything <laughs> no but see this is this is the type of question you would ask Anthony yeah. you would, Anthony would randomly <laughs> ask me this on like a Saturday at like ten thirty in the morning <laughs> you had to wake up and you saw one NHLer in your room and he had to fight you who would you want it to be that's the way Anthony would ask me this. So Chris is actually pulling to you, Anthony. He's just doing it on a more bigger platform. So I would say I actually mentioned this to Mark when we were 
going to that Devils game and talking about players we hate. So he would kick, he would beat my ass, but I hated his stupid face so much. I guess I would love to even get one shot in. But Ryan Holloway, I would I would go toe to toe with him and even Ryan get one punch. Oh my him. god! <laughs> I mean, I could de- I could definitely tell you, former Ranger Dale Purinton, who had his his name tattooed on his back like it was his jersey. Uh, I know he. Was it him or was it Colt Nora that almost tried to gouge someone's eye out? I think that was probably Purinton. That seems more like a Purinton thing. I mean, correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, if I got it switched, or if it was Colt Nora, the one that that tried to do it. I think it was in a preseason game against, of all things, the Bruins, I think, back then. And then Colt Nora became a Ranger. Um, I mean, then that was like more awkward than Donald Brashear breaking – Blair Betts' orbital bone and then coming to the Rangers right after that. But, and there's a lot of good ones. I mean, you heard the story from Mick Fakota the other day. So, uh, they, they, those guys, what made them warriors, like, I mean, after all, uh, Chris Nyland was another one. Knuckles. Oh, Knuckles Nyland. There were no takers. Oh, uh, by the way, if you haven't seen the documentary on Bob Prover, tough guy on Amazon, check that out. Yeah, I'd have to watch that. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm surprised that Anthony didn't say Dale Hunter. Mm-hmm. Just just because <laughs> of that. We were just talking about that before. Um, yep. I don't think. Uh, it, yeah, Diane, I, I'm with you on this. That doesn't seem like a Colt Nord thing. Dale Purinton kind of walked the line a bit with that type of stuff. I know Anthony did not like Dale Purinton at all. I mean, obviously, none of us want to go uh, toe to toe against Dan Cloutier. So, Dan, yeah, Dan Cloutier. Fire, Firestorm wants to go with Pierre Maguire, apparently. Poor, poor, Tom, poor Tommy Salo. Yeah, Tommy Salo was, was on the wrong end of that ass weapon. My God. I mean, and um, speaking so- about guys with manners, I mean, so Dan O'Shara asking, I think it was Riley Smith back in the day. Are you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to do this right before he pummels him? I mean, I'm Alexander Ovechkin did the same thing to uh, Sveshnikov in the playoff series. Oh, my God. I, I, I'll never forget how almost every game that the Rangers played against Ottawa when Matt Barnaby was a Ranger and Daniel O'Shara was a senator, Matt Barnaby would – fight Zidane Chara, And I wonder if Zidane Chara ever asked him <laughs> if you really wanted to do this because Matt Barnaby was insane. He was insane. Like, I remember watching him fight Rob Ray, his former teammate. I think it was a Pittsburgh versus Buffalo game, and he fought Rob Ray. And Rob Rob Ray, I, 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 I he talked about it on one of their telecasts one time. I can't – and he was just saying, like, I can't believe this guy is, like, trying to fight me right now. We were teammates, and just, like, he kept wanting to go. And he was just crazy. Like, Barnaby, Barnaby seemed like just he would be fun to fight, but he seemed like he could eat a bunch of punches, and he'd still, like, just obliterate you. Did, yeah, did you Speaking of fighting, um, I don't know if you saw the clip. It was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Mick Vakota was on Spit Chicklets. So, you don't know, Mick Vakota was – yeah. A long time, you know, Islander, tough guy, fighter. Um, and he was telling the story that one time they were playing um, 
maybe it was maybe it was the Rangers or I don't know. Maybe Gretzky was on another team at this point. But um, Milbury had called up Dan had called up Dan Plant from the minors, and Milbury told Dan Plant to you know go jump Gretzky, fight him. And Mick Vakota was I remember Mick Vakota was saying on Spitting Chicklets. He was like, dude, he's hell. He's like, dude. He's like, don't do it. He's like, your career will be over for doing that. <laughs> and it was just funny how he said it, how Milbury wanted to do it. And Vakoda told him, absolutely not. I would not do that if I were you. Yeah, your career is going to be over. And then you're going to have to deal with Marty McSorley. Because so, when Dan Plant got called up, I, that was like the early 90s. I don't think Gretzky was a Ranger yet. So it might have been another team then, but it was he said it was specifically Gretzky. Milbury told them to to jump him. No, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I think that all right, so Plant played 93, 94, 95, 96. After all, his first NHL goal was the last goal scored by the Islanders. Oh, sorry, the first goal scored in game four. He was one of three guys to score in that Islander Rangers series. Yeah. And he um I, I really think that that was against L.A., if anything. And if that was against L.A., then he would have had to deal with McSorley. And McSorley probably would have cleaned his clock. <laughs> no, it might have it been the Rangers. I just, Dan Plant played seven – he played seven games for the Islanders in the 97-98 season. Gretzky was on, Gretzky was on the Rangers in 97-98. So it could have been. Yeah, but Milbury – you said Milbury was coaching, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I don't I don't think Milbury was. Mm, I think he might have still been coaching back then. It wasn't ninety four because hold on because Milbury ninety five ninety six was Milbury's first year ninety six ninety seven his second I don't think Bonus took over until I want to say year three because he was doing both when they got rid of uh, uh, Maloney. So Milbury coached in ninety. He, Milbury actually coached parts of four seasons for the Islanders: ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, and ninety nine. Okay. So yeah. it, maybe it could have been at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Johnny was, was only in St. Louis from March and April uh, in nineteen ninety six. That was it. Yeah, no, it, it, <laughs> oof, yeah. But good, but good on Mick Bacotta for telling the young kid not to do that. He's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, uh, that's probably a, a, a bad idea for <laughs> a young kid like Dan Plant to go do. Oh, it is, that is very true. Now, by the way, even though I flashed right on here, uh, check out more articles on the BigAppleHockeyPodcast.com uh, or BAH Pod, but you could also catch the guy down there on the fourth period because that's where he's got his on. Uh, so, Mark, you want to give way. us a preview of that? What? You want to give us a preview of that? The article? Yeah. Yeah, it's just about. It's felt, I think unless they change the title on me, there's restlessness on the island will lead to change. So I just talked about Lambert and what's going on right now. So hopefully right. up in the next day or two. And Mark, um, 
you could thank the Buffalo Bills because your Dolphins are going to win the division now. We basically. Oh, just- don't worry. The month of December is coming, and that team always lays a turd in the month of December. So, if we're right. going to go yeah. outside of hockey, Garrett Cole is your 2023 AL Cy Young winner. Let's go. And for Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner, stop wasting this guy's prime. Build the team around them and stop being a bunch of idiotic cheapskates. Well, he would have been a World Series champion in case if uh, the Astros didn't think, oh, let's go one more inning with Zach Grinke. Don't understand why that why that didn't happen. Well, thankfully, they did because I can't stand the Houston Astros. They yeah. Should, they should have one championship, not two. Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, Firestorm saying I'd also drop the gloves with Jonesy. I live in PA. I, I had to hear his hometown as every game I saw. Yeah, maybe. And also, um, oh, hey, Yamamoto the Mets. That's official, I guess. No, I don't. I don't think that's official. Yeah, is that no? No, oh, we'll check on that. And there's Leo right there. All right. Uh, yeah, but David, David, the Dolphins—they haven't had a winning December in a long time. All right. No, it's not official. There's nothing on MLB trade rumors about All it. All right, they're just going for him then. So yeah, there you go. Matt, Matt just wants them to get Yamamoto. Hey, you know what? Why not? And then they could be disappointing with another star pitcher. All right. Uh, and now Kyler still, uh, Kyler Murray still sticking with football right now. All right. Um, guys, we're going to sign off right here uh, because kind of running out of things we're going to talk about. We covered a lot today. I mean, yeah, we, hell, we're, we had a two hour show and uh, we, we haven't done one of these in a while. We're talking about trying to keep it under an hour. So, uh, again, great job with everybody in the comments. You guys are killing it today. Yeah, it great to get Anthony back on with us, so that way we can, uh, so that way we can get his opinion on what the Islanders are doing. If you are still watching right now, make sure you like, share, and subscribe for us. And uh, again, you guys, great job today because we're 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 getting better, we're expanding, and uh, we're going to be back at this again next week. All right, everybody, take care. Have a great night. I got, I'm off to go get dinner. Let's go, Rangers. Oh, 